Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning. Um, I, I think I've said this a number of times recently, but this is going to be an odd way to start a sermon. Uh, but in, uh, in the 80s, rock bands were like getting bigger and bigger in terms of like their stage production. So, you know, somebody back in the day introduced fireworks on stage when these guys would come out playing guitars, whatever, you know, smoke machines, all that kind of stuff. And it just got bigger and bigger and more and more and more complex. Uh, and these, these artists, these, well, you know, depending on what your uh, definition is of music or art or those sorts of things, these artists would actually uh, have these, these, they're called writers in their contract, and what they were is they were like specifications for the things that we want to see happen, and it was everything from lights to the sound to everything, but it was also like the kind of snacks that they would have in their green room. Um, and there's this, I thought, an urban legend about the, this one particular band named Van Halen, and they had in their contract that they had to have a bowl of M&Ms in their green room, in their preparation room, but they had to have all the brown ones had to have been removed from the bowl. And people thought it was this excess. I got a picture of the actual like thing up here because I was like, I'm not sure that that's entirely true. But people thought it was this sort of like excess, like celebrity had just gotten to them and they had just, you know just gone crazy with it and become sort of like, you know, divas, these prima donnas. And what, what had actually happened when somebody interviewed them about this and said, you know, why do you do this? That seems so self-centered and it seems so like ridiculous and over the top. And what they said was, is actually this is why we do it. Because there's so much going on on stage. There's the, the fireworks and there's pyrotechnics and there's all this light and everything has to be done just so. We need to know that the venue is going to take care of the details. And we know that if we put some little tiny clause in there about removing the brown M&Ms from, from the bowl, then they're going to have paid attention to all the details. And, and I thought that was kind of so interesting. So they can walk into a room and they can see, you know what, this venue hasn't paid attention to everything. They haven't done everything that needed to be done behind the scenes to make sure that we're going to be safe and this is going to work because there's no brown, there are brown M&Ms in the bowl. Well, I know this seems like a wild comparison, but <laughs> in a way, our seniors are our M&Ms. And what I mean by that is that when we first came here, um, 12 years ago, when our family first came here, uh, our, our oldest daughter was just barely out of toddler stage. And one of the things that had prompted us to decide, you know, do we want to move somewhere? Do we want to be somewhere different? Was what type of child is she going to grow up to be? What types of influences are going to come to bear on her life? What types of, uh, of people are going to kind of speak into her life and, and help develop her? We wanted to know. And where we were living, we looked around at the 18-year-olds and we were like, I don't know if I want my daughter to grow up to be like them. And then when we came and visited Woodbury, I was very interested in Senior Sunday. I didn't know any of the seniors yet. I didn't know who they were, but I knew that that would speak to the type of church that Woodbury Church of Christ was. I knew it would speak. Now there's a course of million influences, right? There's family, there's all kinds of things. But I knew that if I could look at those graduating seniors and say, you know what, I would be comfortable with my daughter growing up with the same or similar influences and turning out like them. I would be comfortable with that. So no pressure, seniors, but people may decide whether or not they like our church based on you guys. I'm just, I'm just saying it could happen. It could happen. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, if you want to uh, look over there. Ephesians chapter 4, 
verse 15. The beginning of the verse says, instead speaking the truth in love, and what he's referring to is this, this idea that Christians just hadn't grown, they hadn't matured, or, or, and, and they, were, they were just sort of like, they would succumb to all the influences of the culture around them. And he said, that's not what I want for you. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and knit together, or joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. What I, what I want to do this morning is point out something that I think is incredibly crucial. And, and I want to, we're going to be honest here for a second, because Senior Sunday or Graduation Sunday, for some people, it's their favorite Sunday of the year. First of all, it's a short sermon, and that's probably just puts it right up there. Uh, but secondly, they just love the fact that they've, you know, they've known these kids and they get to celebrate them. For some people, it's like, oh, Senior Sunday, I don't, I'm not sure I'm going to come. Like, you know, what are we talking about our seniors for? Are we worshiping our seniors? Like, what, what a big deal is that? But you have to know something crucially important. Because when you go check out a church, a church can put on a good show. They can put on a good front. I'm not saying we do, but a church can do that. But when you get a, when you get a chance to stop and kind of peek behind the curtain and see what does this church actually produce in the lives of people, that's an important thing to take a st- stop and take a look at. That's an important thing to pay attention to. Um, and what we're doing today is we're actually, I mean, we're actually taking a, a moment to think about who we really are and what we think church is. I think, and again, forgive the analogy, but I think church is a little bit like Ikea furniture. Um, When you are shopping at Ikea and you wander around the display room and you're like, oh, that would be beautiful. And everything is all put together and everything is all well lit and everything, they had, you know, armies of people in yellow vests doing everything for you and you walk around and you enter a room and you can, you can begin to envision the potential of your own house. Like, this would, be, this would be awesome. Like, look at that, you know, look at that item there, that, the shelf and everything's just right. And you get excited, you get excited. And then you go into the warehouse and you have to, pick up the different pallets and the different boxes and you have to load them in your car and you have to take them home and then you have to do the work of putting it together. And it's not so exciting anymore. For example, I got a couple pictures. I don't think, uh, I don't think he realizes yet what's going on. At some point, this isn't going to work. The next, uh, the next picture is, this is actually outside somebody's door. They had just thrown it away. They had bought the item from Ikea, tried to put it together, wasn't working, done, just done, just done. This is a picture of someone discovering what they have done wrong. So we, we, uh, we look at the Ikea, Ikea furniture, you know, and it's all on display and everything's put together by somebody else and we're like, oh, I like that. But when you're actually involved in the nuts and bolts of it, it becomes a different story. And many people have lost their temper over Ikea furniture, trying to figure out why do I have extra parts and why is this thing in the wrong thing and now I have to take the whole thing apart. Some people like church. Oh, this is important. Some people like church when the lighting is just right, when everything is on display and everything's just so, and when someone else did all the work of putting it together. Some people love it. But when they peek behind the curtains and see the difficult work that goes in 
to making church what it is and the messiness of church. It's like seeing that Ikea, pieces of Ikea furniture and they just want to back away. Oh, that's not for me. I want to go somewhere. I want to tend somewhere where everything's bright and shiny and put together. But I'm telling you, that is an illusion of what a church is. That is not reality. Church is parts and pieces, sometimes that fit together well and sometimes that don't. There's some oddballs at church sometimes. There are some things that we don't always understand or some thing like, what is this and why does it go there and what's happening here? There's some things we just don't get. And what we need to know is church at best is an ongoing maturation process. We're becoming more and more and more like Christ. And sometimes behind the scenes that can look strange and ugly and different, but it's an ongoing process. And it is messy, but each part plays a role as this, this, this organization grows and builds itself up in love as each Each part does its work. So what we're looking at today is much more than just graduates, much more than just, you know, the the, the four individuals. What we're looking at is who we are as a church, how we're doing as a church. And if you're a visitor here today, what a wonderful Sunday to be here because you you get like, I mean, this is like the, the fast lane at Disney World. You get to really get right up close and see what's going on. So I, I want to just briefly, briefly, we're not going to take very much time doing this, but I, I just want to briefly think a little bit about what it takes to make this happen. What it takes to make this happen. Sometimes you go to a store and uh, as you're paying, you know, you bring your items up to the store and as you're paying, they'll say something like, hey, do you want to you pay an extra dollar uh, and it'll go to some charity or some cause? And if you do, I always do, I don't know why, I just can't say no, but if you do, then you get to write your name on a card and then they put that card on the wall. You've been there, you've seen that. And then the wall is just lined with all these different, you know, same card, but all these different names. And it's all people who have contributed a dollar or whatever to whatever, whatever cause it was. Last week, um, our normal, normal communion cup filler uh, was not feeling, feeling well and couldn't make it to church and so I was doing his job for him. And I, I don't rarely, I rarely do that, but it's, you know, it's, you know, it takes some work. And so I'm there, you know, doing this thing. And somebody comes up to me and says, you know what? I have never in the entire history of me going to church ever thought about the fact that somebody has to fill those cups. Never once thought about it. Yeah, somebody has to do that every single week. Somebody has to do that. And the only time we really notice is when somebody doesn't do it or when you saw last week and there's grape juice all over the trays because I did it. That's the only time we pay attention to that stuff. Half the stuff I think that happens at church, we must just assume happens by magical elves behind the scenes. It just happens and we don't notice it unless something goes wrong, right? You know, we don't notice it unless the sound booth guys, you know, something feedback or the mic's not on or whatever. And then we're all looking up at the sound booth guys like, what are you guys doing up there? But we don't notice them. We don't thank them every week for when the sound is good. We don't even think about half that stuff. But let me give you just a brief glimpse of some of the things that have to take place. Someone, for these graduates, someone sang songs with these kids in cradle roll class. Someone padded the Bible every single week Every single week, they have those songs so deeply ingrained in their psyche. Someone uh, sanitizes the toys because children are epicenters of disease. 
And someone goes in those rooms and, and wipes them down so that when your kid slobbers on them, they're not getting whatever crazy stuff is going around. Someone does that. Someone fixes the swings on the play place because the older kids stand on them and do ridiculous stuff and then the little kids, it's broken. Somebody goes out there and fixes the swing so that the little kids can, you know, whatever, do whatever they're doing when you're talking to somebody after church. Someone guards the check-in desk. Someone buys the craft supplies. Someone helps the first graders with the glitter and the glue for the craft. Someone else cleans up all the glitter and the glue because none of it got on the paper and it's all on the table and the floor. Someone taught your children the books of the Bible. Someone, someone did that. You didn't have to do that unless you're the teacher. Someone did that. And when your kids are 30 and 40 and someone says, turn to the book of, that's because someone taught them that. Someone did that. Someone changes the oil in the church van. I don't do it. Someone does that. It's magical elves. So that when we're going on a road trip, the van just doesn't start smoking and break down on the side of the road. Someone, someone does that. Someone slips extra checks into the basket, the offering basket, so that our teenagers can go on a mission trip. Someone does that. They don't ask for any attention. We don't write their name on a piece of paper and stick it on a wall, but somebody does that. And somebody does those types of things and hundreds more, hundreds and thousands of times in the life cycle of of a child being developed at a church. Someone does that. And so when we look at our graduates, we're not just looking at like, oh, congratulations for not flunking out of high school. What we're looking at is like, hey, you are a product of what this church is and what this church does and what this church produces. Our mission is to develop disciples and we want to see these, these uh, graduates go out into the world as disciples of Jesus Christ, but it takes every part doing its work, every part playing its role from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Some of you are sideline sitters. And I appreciate that you're here, but when we look at these graduates, you're like, well, I don't know, did I, maybe you did, maybe you did in ways that you don't acknowledge, but there are opportunities for you to get involved in the spiritual development of our children, but of one another. That's what a church is is. That's what it is about. And we're just talking about the graduates. I mean, you don't even know of the hospital visits and the late night crisis phone calls and the prayers and the money donated, the texts of encouragement, the long conversations over coffee. I mean, we don't even know about half this stuff. And it's it's actually, uh, maybe we should, right? Maybe we should. Every time somebody does a good deed at church, we should have a card and we should stick it on the wall with their name on it. With the exception of Jesus telling us not to do that in the book of Matthew, wouldn't that be great? Because this wall, these walls, would be filled with people who have done things on behalf and service of one another. But Jesus said, be careful not to practice your righteousness before men. So I guess we can't do that. That's out. But it's just, it's honestly a little bit insane to me when people criticize the church for not doing anything. Because what they're actually saying is one of three things that doesn't reflect well on them. They're actually saying, I'm not paying attention to what is going on. Or they're saying, nobody is doing the thing that I specifically want done. And that's always a good sign that you should do it. Or they're saying, nobody is serving me. That's what they're saying. But behind the scenes, the nuts and bolts, the gears working together, ah, church from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up as each part does its work in love. We're going to do, uh, we're going to wrap up this morning and we're going to show you a video of our 
graduates. We're going to show you when they were babies, and some of you are going to be like, oh, I remember Cradle Roll, or I remember taking them out to do that. And some of you are in these videos because you helped form and shape these kids. But I just want you to know that what you're looking at is not just the life of a graduate. What you're looking at is the way that our church has, has helped mold. I mean, is the church solely responsible? Absolutely not. But the way the church has helped mold uh, these young people and is sending them out into the world. And so when you watch this, be thinking about the bigger picture. Be thinking about what's really going on. And if you have kids, you have grandkids, be thinking about the types of influences that you want speaking into their, their lives. So we're going to show that video, and then I'm going to come back up, and we're going to ask the, uh, the graduates, their families, and the elders, we're going to come back up and uh, pray over them as we close this morning. So let's show that video. <laughs> 